Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. So, when I was um, a teenager back in the 80s, wow, I hear you all gasp, um, Madonna was my big pop idol and in my bedroom with my hairbrush I actually thought I probably was her you know I used to sing along to all her songs and you know and I've always been tone deaf but in your bedroom with the door shut music full blast you don't care so when I started coming to the Christian Centre a big massive church it's now Heart Church in my 20s I used to stand at the back and I just used to go literally just to sing because I love singing I can't sing but I just love it and it's a big massive church so you stand at the back be well hidden um, sing your heart out no one really cares so um, it was amazing for me and that's all I really went for just the worship I loved the singing and the worship and yeah and now it's completely flipped where I just love to hear the word and I just found that like so interesting that back then it was just like just going for the songs but now I just want to really dig in and listen to what um, God's got to say to us so this evening as um, we invite Joss up um, I urge you to open your hearts and just listen to what he's got well what God's got to say through him and uh, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing message Joss Oh, it's a bit wobbly over here, isn't it? You're right. Oh. oh dear. It's not good for my sort of personality type, that. I'm going to have far too much fun with this. <coughs> anyway, um, okay, cool. So this evening, I'm going to have a little look at an exciting book called Numbers. Yay. <laughs> uh, who here is saved? Great. Who here is blessed? Who here feels blessed? Come on. Tonight, we're going to have a little look at what it is to be blessed. How we're blessed. I know when, uh, when I sort of take a look around the world, when I look at, I guess, you know, look at stuff on the telly, see what my neighbours are up to, look at my social feeds... It's hard not to get into that sort of court of comparison, isn't it? That sort of comparing your life with others. And I think for a lot of us, we probably, when we think about our lives, we think we're probably, you know, maybe below average, maybe above average in places, maybe just fair to middling in others. There's a saying, isn't there, that people put on like, especially if it's like a really good picture online. If they've been on holiday and they're like sipping Mai Tais next to this beautiful beach with just crystal clear water and white sands and they'll be like, living my best life. <laughs> and you want to sort of reach through your smartphone and slap them <laughs> whilst you're trudging to work in the rain or whatever's happening. But it's that sort of idea, isn't it, that this... This idea that we all want to be living our best, our best life. And tonight, 
we're going to be talking about not living our best life, but living our blessed life. So number six, the exciting book of numbers. If you knew we were going to be talking from numbers, you'd probably stay at home. It's a good job we kept this secret, isn't it? So um, <clears throat> basically, at the start of numbers, uh, there's a, this sort of ordering of the people of God. And it's called numbers because, you probably guessed, there's lots of numbers in it. And they're there taking censuses. Censuses? Is that right? Censuses. Anyway, they're taking, they're counting up how many people are around and uh, counting it how many different people in different tribes and stuff like that. And then ordering them where they're supposed to all set up camp, how they're going to set up camp around the tabernacle, how the tabernacle's going to work, how the Levites are going to work, how the Goshites are going to be able to be the ones that when they dismantle the tabernacle, they're not going to be able to touch the stuff, but when it's all packed away neatly, they're going to be able to pick it up and carry it. It's all thrilling stuff. Anyway, you get to chapter 6, and then there's this whole bit about the Nazarites. Anyone, <coughs> seeing there's not many of us, and we can uh, be a little bit interactive, anyone can think of a famous Nazarite? Jesus. Boom. Most famous. Second most famous? John the Baptist, also a Nazarite. Well done, a lot of people wouldn't have gone for that one. Samson. It's the only people on the right side of the building. Let's have a cheer for the people, the two loners on the right side of the building. <laughs> oh, you're lefties. Right. Makes sense. <clears throat> anyway, there's this whole bit in the chapter 6 which talks about Nazarites. And it talks about what they need to do. It's like abstain from drink. Not to eat or drink anything actually from the vine at all, which you know, when you think about grapes and the things that would have been made with grapes and raisins and other things, actually includes quite a lot of things, actually. Not to cut uh, hair on their face, head. That's men and women. Um, so women would have, because uh, uh, women could be Nazarites as well. Um, so women would have had incredibly long hair. Um, hence the whole Samson thing with him cutting his hair. Uh, not to go near anything dead. In fact, um, and when you think about that, you kind of go, okay, well, that's, you know, that's probably not that bad. We don't want to be hanging around with you know, dead things a lot. Um, however, it also meant that they weren't allowed to go, when it says near, you really couldn't go near. So actually, they didn't even, uh, most of the time, they weren't al allowed to sort of attend funerals and things like that of even family members and stuff. And if they were somewhere and somebody died, they would have to cut their hair again and start the process of growing it out. It would like almost be a reset. So it was pretty strict. Anyway, number six. All still with me? Not falling asleep yet? So number six starts off with this story, uh, this story, this, this um, explaining of all the different things that these Nazarites have to do. And you're like, wow, these guys. These guys are like the super Christians of their day. These are the guys that, you know, you know when you're talking to somebody, they're like, yeah, I've been struggling a little bit recently with reading my Bible. Um, I've just found that instead of getting up at four and having an hour, I've, been, I've, I've only been able to sort of have half an hour each morning. And you're like, mm, yeah, yeah, sure, you, you just keep pressing in. Or they'll just be, oh, they'll be like, you know, prayer. You know, I pray every day. 
um, normally at least two or three times a day. I always pray and do pray for and do the examine every evening. And, uh, you know, I've just been struggling. Maybe missed the occasional one, and you're thinking, Ooh, super Christian. And you have to sort of, like, put on your best holiness, like, yeah, I, it happens to the best of us, you know. Ever so often, ever so often I don't get up at 4 a.m. and read my Bible either. Rarely, but, you know, now and again, now and again I miss a morning. Anyway, these, uh, uh, these uh, Nazarites were kind of, like, in that group where they're like, they are serious guys. And if anyone was going to like be sort of blessed and be thought about as being like the ones who would be deserving, you might think these would be the guys. So this chapter talks about all this stuff, who they are, like what they've got to do, how they're going to be, how they're going to enter the temple, the offerings that are going to take place. And then right at the end, in the last few verses, it then says this. So from verse 21 onwards, I'll say, um, this is the law of the Nazarite who vows offerings to the Lord in accordance with their dedication, in addition to whatever else they can afford. So everything else that we've talked about, anything else they could do on the top. They must fulfill the vows they've made according to the law of the Nazarite. Full stop. Start of a new section. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Say they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now you've probably heard um, that little bit of numbers, probably because it's in a pretty well-known song. The Lord bless you, that song, um, which I won't sing because my throat's naft um but it's a really um probably a bit that we're actually really familiar with which most of us probably didn't know came from numbers but this is what i want to draw your attention to there's just been this entire chapter on like an uber christian if you want no it wasn't christian clearly it was a jew but like this is like the most dedicated type serious vows being set apart to do God's work. And then comes the blessing. And the blessing isn't based or isn't for the person who's just dedicated themselves in this pretty extreme way, sacrificial way. The blessing was for all of God's people. You see, there's something, no matter how long you're following Jesus, there's something in us all which kind of has this idea that we get what we deserve with God. That we almost like he rewards our good behavior. And, and don't hear what I'm not saying. There is an element where when we live rightly, life works out better because we're following the blueprint that God's given us to have life and life to its fullness. But God's blessing on our lives, where it's talking about here, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face towards you, give you peace, and so on. That was just for all of God's people. Isn't that reassuring? Not just the guys who were there at 4 a.m. who've, you know, read at least a couple of Proverbs, a Psalm, bit of the Old Testament, New Testament. 
prayed for every single one of the neighbors all before we've all got up. Not just those guys. This blessing, this blessed life was for all. And this is what it means when you go, when you just sort of take a minute to think about it. It talks about the Lord's disposition, how he's, how he's postured towards us. He says to keep us. That's like to protect. For his face to shine on us. Now, when it gets to winter this time of year, um, one of the things I really enjoy is when it's like, you know, when it's blue sky, like we've just got the moments when you get that really cold, but blue sky, and it's sort of like crystal clear, and it's, but it's like got a real chill. And you can tell the difference, can't you, when you're sort of walking through town or anywhere, when you're sort of walking in shade, and then when you walk into the sunlight. And even though it's cold, you can feel the sort of radiation of the sun, can't you? It just warms you. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of when you think, oh, it's sort of, it's just that really nice sort of feeling. Whenever it talks about God's face being upon his people, when it talks about God turning his face, him lifting his countenance upon us, etc., that's the image I want you to have in your mind. There's, there's this being known and comforted and warmed by the gaze of heaven, by the gaze of our Father. It's like that warming of the sun. It talks about gracious, that um, he'll be gracious to you. That's being patient, long-suffering, forgiving. I like the fact it talks about him turning his face towards us. That means wherever we're going, he's looking. He turns. Wherever we move, I get to rock this again. He turns his face. Yeah? He's not just looking one way and when I walk this direction, I'm out of his gaze. He turns his face. And so wherever you are, wherever you're walking, you're blessed. And God's face has turned and keeps turning to be on you. How lovely. He gives us peace. This word shalom, if you ever sort of look into the word, it's a word that we sort of translate as peace often. And that for us often means the absence of conflict. That's often what we mean when we, when we talk about peace. We mean the absence of strife. But for a Jew, it didn't, it included that, but it meant much more, uh, significantly more. It means harmony. It means wholeness. It means completeness, prosperity, tranquility. It means, it doesn't mean the absence of bad. It means the presence of good. So it talks about God's peace being with us. That it's a gift, he says. He turns his face towards and give you peace. He gives it to us as a gift. Not just the guys who get up at 4 a.m. Not the guys who shave their head and not drinking drink and not getting near dead things. Just us. How cool is that? Not that I think going near dead things is probably high on our list but you know what I mean this gift of shalom is something we all have and so when we compare with the world and we and we look online we look at our 
social feeds, we see what our neighbors have, when we, we compare ourselves with other people in this room or other Christians, it's sometimes really tricky to think, you know, am I living my quote-unquote best life? Really the question is, are we living our blessed life? Are we living from that place of knowing our life is truly, truly blessed? Because this is your blessed life. There isn't a best life. In fact, actually, bizarrely, you are living your best life in one way, shape, or form. We'll live again. But actually, you're living your best life in this world now because in this world you've not got another <laughs> so whether it's actually you, you, you know you're messing it all up or doing getting it right either way it's your best one <laughs> you know what I mean so the idea of getting to our best life is a bit of a a, a bit of a, a red herring it's really enjoying our be, our blessed life and our blessed life is to be prote- protected and provided for to be noticed and known and loved by God for him to treat us with warmth graciousness and kindness and for him to give us a shalom that harmony and wholeness and prosperity and that to be in every facet of your life who thinks that sounds good who thinks they'd like to be living or know that they're living a blessed life in the old testament the uh, there's this um, book called isaiah and um, if you've never read it, it's a really great, um, great book to read because it's full of uh, what would be called sort of messianic promises. Lots of things that look ahead to the coming of Christ. And so when you read Isaiah in the Old Testament, you'll be like, oh, that sounds interesting because I'm pretty sure that's what Jesus did or I'm pretty sure that's where Jesus was born or, or whatever. And that's um, a lot of what it's about. Anyway, there's this bit in Isaiah 55 and it's talking actually, again, it's, it's a looking forward to a time um, of this coming king and we would see that in Jesus but it says this Isaiah 55 20, uh, 12 to 13 it says you will go out in joy just talking to the people of God here you'll go out in joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands anyone sing that at school and the trees of the fields will clap their hands and the, no just me Kathy come on Yes. Need somebody? Yeah, yeah, another one. I see the hand. Great. <laughs> Not just me. Brilliant. Anyway, um, and the trees of the heel, uh, field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow the juniper. And instead of briars, um, you know, like uh, weeds and stuff, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will be uh, that will endure forever. What it is to live a blessed life when we understand when we really get that our identity is in Jesus when we truly get that we are now his people that that is first and foremost who we are above me being Joss above me being a bloke or any of those things first and foremost my identity is in Christ everybody at the moment wants to sort of um try to convince us to put our pronouns on everything don't they as if that's like our primary identifier in Christ is my primary identifier first and foremost above everything else I'm in Christ 
and so are you in Christ and that symbolizes that we're then part of God's family and we then get to enjoy what it is to be part of his people and that means that the whole world and I'm not talking about people necessarily I mean actually the mountains and the trees the things that God has made see you as related to him kind of melt your brain a bit that the mountains will bow down the trees will clap their hands this idea that nature because remember everything that's, everything that's made has been made by Jesus nothing was made that has been made that wasn't made without him as we talked about at the start of John that the whole of the universe is held together by his word that if Jesus wasn't worshipped by us it says that the rocks would start to cry out there's this yearning in nature toward God and when we as the people of God walk through the world the nature, even nature leans in and sees something of God's fingerprint on us so much that the mountains bow the trees clap and cheer now, that's, now I don't want to go too far with this because it could get super weird but are you getting a little bit what I'm saying? It's like this idea of what it is to be blessed. You know, we talk about when um, we, we use sayings, things like everything they touch turns to gold. You know that saying? Like somebody seems to have that, just that, that way. To be the people of God is to be blessed. Is so that when we step foot out into the world, that the world, that nature even knows that we're his. That's cool, eh? That at a cosmic level, you're his. Not just in somewhere in your head. <laughs> the universe recognizes our heavenly identity that mountains sing and trees clap and so what does that mean I think it means that when we I think it changes how we walk through life that we can walk with our chin up as it were uh, to use a, uh, another saying but you know what I mean to be able to walk with our chin up because we have bragging rights and our bragging rights brilliantly have nothing to do with us nothing we can brag about who our dad is and what he's done we can brag about which family we're part of we can brag about the fact that instead of um, thistle bushes he provides he provides juniper which is like nice flowers smelt good they used it for all kinds of food and stuff um, and then the same with myrtle actually this idea of sweet smelling things that he makes our life taste and smell good and that's the way that it and it changes how we move through life you know how when you get up in the morning 
<clears throat> I guess what I'm thinking is instead of getting up and feeling like the world's against me, well, I've just got to grind through another day or whatever, to get up and remind ourselves first and foremost that I am a child of God, that I am blessed, that when I take a step out of my house, that mountains will sing, trees will clap, not because of who I am is in Joss, but because of who I am in Jesus, but because I am a part of the universal creator's family. And so when I walk, I know that he, his face shines on me, that he protects me, that he gives me peace, that he is looking for ways to be gracious. Now, sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I, uh, I need to remind my face that God's turned his face towards mine. Um, <laughs> people often tell me I have resting frown face, uh, and I, I do, I know, I see it in pictures all the time. I sort of scowl. I'm not, I don't, I'm not I genuinely, actually, I'm not meaning to, uh, but I do have resting scowly face. And, um, and so, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a problem. Anyway. Um, and you know sometimes you know when you meet sometimes and you meet somebody and you think or you're talking to somebody who's maybe you know they're a Christian maybe you don't but you find out they're a Christian and you're like man I'm not sure if you've encountered the joy of the Lord um, you know because somehow the joy of the Lord hasn't quite made it to their face and um, <laughs> and what I think is when we realize and we get up and we own our identity when we understand that we're blessed, not because we've chopped our hair off, avoided drink, not gone near dead things, and done all this list of we just because I'm his. Just because I'm his, I'm living my blessed life. Then we can start our days in a different kind of way. So I do think that we need to tell our faces and tell our feeds that we're living our blessed life. What a great opportunity we have nowadays on social media to talk about what it is to be blessed, that, we're, that we know Jesus, that we have the answers to life given to us. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. I've got a big, bit of an aching back because I did far too much shoveling the other day, got a bit of a lurgy. <laughs> but I'm blessed. I'm living a blessed life and I've got a new body. In the end, it doesn't really matter what happens this one. I've got a new one promised because I'm living a blessed life. I still don't own my own home. I rent and it's cold. It's a cold house. It's always cold. But do you know what? I've got a mansion with my name on. I'm living a blessed life. Sometimes we might feel lonely. You know, I think, oh, you know, I've not got many mates or whatever. But I'm like, man, I am part of a church family. The Bible says he puts the lonely in family. I've got a whole bunch of people who at the drop of a hat would probably come and do anything and help me out. I'm living a blessed life. I get to commune with the Almighty. I get to just close my eyes or even not and just talk to the creator of the universe. And I don't blow up as a result. That's bonkers isn't it 
like, you know, in the Old Testament, they're like, when they were going to go into the Holy of Holies, and the high priest went in once a year, they went through some serious rigmarole before that happened. Like, they like didn't sleep just in case they sinned accidentally in their dreams the night before going in. This is serious. And they'd like wash and put all this special stuff on, wash again, put this special stuff on. And then they would like fill the, uh, the inner room uh, behind the curtain with smoke just to try and um, sort of um, mask God's gaze so you wouldn't look at them directly and zap them. And then they'd tie a rope around them so if they did die, they could pull them back out. Once a year. And I talk to God on the toilet. <laughs> Overshare, I know. But you know, you know what I mean? I get to talk to God when I'm just rumbling down the road or whatever. As I'm living my blessed life. Not just a little bit. I am blessed more than I often give credit. And there's an uh, assumption in the Bible. It talks about always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. I can't remember where it says it now. Anyway, sorry about that. But anyway, it does. <laughs> Look at it yourself. Google it now if you like. Um, and just say, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. So there's this assumption that people, when they encounter us, will know that we carry hope. That our demeanor, our face, our feeds will be ones that ooze a blessed life. I want to be someone who people ask that question. Why have you got this hope? Why do you always, why do you always look like you're living your best life, they might say? Is that song, is that walking on sunshine? Now, it's not being ignorant of the challenges of the world but it is being informed and more than informed it is knowing to my core that my identity is in Christ and I'm his and that changes everything about how I move through the world that the mountains sing that the trees clap that I attract the gaze of the almighty not because I've cut my hair or fasted an especially long time or done any of those things, as good as some of those things can be, but purely because I'm his, because I'm blessed. The Bible says that we're his chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession it says that we may know this so we can declare the praise of the one who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light once we're not a people but now we're a people of God 
Once we hadn't received mercy, but now we have received mercy. In 1 Peter 2. How wonderful. Me, you, we're part of a royal priesthood. That we are living our blessed life. Can you imagine when, what's those princes, uh, prince called? William. Okay, when they wake up, they don't sort of have to remember that they're royals. <laughs> they just, they just, no. I don't know about you, but when you wake up, is it, is that, is it automatic that you remember that you're a royal priesthood? You are blessed. That God's face shines on you. That he provides, protects. That he's gracious to you. That because of his gaze and presence with you, that mountains sing and trees will clap. That should change your Monday morning. Right? That should change all of our Monday mornings. So maybe when you wake up tomorrow, maybe the first thing you could say is, I'm blessed. Maybe take yourself through a number of things. I'm beautiful because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm part of a billion plus wide family of the church. I'm equipped for every good thing. Everything. That when I go, his presence goes with me through all the parts of my day. That nature leans in. That the world takes note, not because of who I am, but because of who he is and that I belong to him. And you know what it should do? It should give you holy entitlement. And I say that slightly cautiously. But to know that in whatever situation you're in, you can call on the God of the universe to break in and make it better. That you can expect people to want to know why you carry such hope. I'm out of time my final encouragement would be this you've maybe heard me say it before to keep telling the story our faces and our feeds are most <laughs> what the world's going to see share your blessed life share your blessed life I don't mean be false, no, at all. But I do mean keep talking about what God has done for you. Because it not only will it make others question, but it will it'll keep reaffirming faith in you. You remind ourselves. That's why we talk. That's why we sing together. That's why we do this. Is because we remind ourselves again of how good God is and how much he's blessed us. So when we gather, take pictures, stick them on social media. When you're with somebody and you've just had a good time with somebody, put it on social media and say, you know, I've just been with one of my sisters from the church and just really encouraged 
I so much appreciate the church. I so much appreciate some of these songs that inspire me and remind me of what God's done. Here's a link to one. Whatever it might be. But let's keep telling the story. Let's be wonderful storytellers that talk and share our blessed life. Seeing that they were a bit different today. I think what we'll do is we'll have, uh, <coughs> instead of going for a, instead of singing, why don't, um, I'm going to hand back to Sarah, why don't we just have a little bit of time just to pray for one another? It's a smaller group, is that cool? Just to share a bit of time praying with one another. We could get in twos and threes and just speak God's blessing. Speak God's blessing over each other. You don't have to be a super duper prayer or anything like that. But just to speak God's blessing and uh, see what else God wants to do. I'm going to pass back to Sarah. Just dropped you in a bit now, haven't I? But there we go. <laughs> it's my, one of my specialties.